From Mountain Home to Raft River, we've got all the District 4 analysis you'll need to know. This is the Magic Valley PrepCast with Scott Burton. That's right. Welcome into another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast from IdahoSports.com. Brandon Bainey joined by Scott Burton, uh, a worldly man. You've got a nice map of the world behind you in the setup today, Scott. Uh, you, you know what? There's more to me than just what meets the eye, my friend. I am like an onion, many, many layers, and every one of them stinks and makes you cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if you want to see Scott's uh, world map, uh, his gold-plated world map, it looks like, at least on yeah. mine, it looks like it's gold. Uh, you can catch the video of this on the idahosports.com YouTube channel or our Facebook page, or if you want the audio only, you can also get that at idahosports.com or wherever you download your podcasts. Of course, uh, every week we're breaking down the biggest stories to happen in District 4. Scott, uh, we'll start with football today, and then we'll kind of segue into volleyball at the at the end. And we always start at the top and kind of work our way down with the Great Basin Conference, that, that 4A Goliath of a conference, seven teams in there duking it out every week. Mm-hmm. We, we had our first big test of the year for Mountain Home. We talked about how, how the Tigers had been 2-0 and in league play, and now we're going to get their first test as Minico came visiting last Friday, and the Spartans continue their hot start, a 25 to nothing shutout of the Tigers, and Minico now 4-0 and overall and 1-0 and in the conference. Yeah, I mean, you said it. Mountain Home got a test, finally. I mean, Great Basin sort of got started right away, but now you're going to have to deal with the likes of Minico and Twin, and uh, what are you going to do against them? And uh, Mountain Home kind of got a wake-up call. Uh, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Mountain Home had a, a really good game plan. They tried to slow the pace way down, limit the possessions. Um, but, you know, defensively, Minico was just too strong. He held uh, Mountain Home to 74 yards passing, 55 yards rushing, forced a couple of turnovers, a fumble, a pick. Uh, they were flying around all over the place. Speaking of, I'm going to get that guy when he comes by again, fly everywhere. Uh, but, uh, you know, they had some really good standout performances defensively. Uh, Bischoff, Drayton Bischoff, eight tackles, three assists, and a safety recorded. Um, you know, and the thing is, they uh, they – Threw the ball just a little bit, not a lot. Five of eight, 103 yards, but two touchdowns. So it's it's more of the efficiency of it, and that's what we talked about with Minico. Is they're going to have to be more than just one dimensional, um, and it's not going to be that they have to have the volume of passing, but they've got to do it effectively. And that's one thing that uh, Minico has been working on, and they've been doing better each and every week. In week one, they were one for three through the air. Week two, four of eight. Week three. Two for 10, not very good. And then this past week, five of eight. And so they're getting there, but they're being more efficient. So uh, they moved Clayton Wilson from, you know, running back to tight end. And that kind of made things a little bit more available in the passing game. Another threat, you know, but uh, their their thing is going to be defense. Uh, Defense, special teams control the game. That is Minico football. And they're all starting to buy into it. And that's why, what, they're the number two ranked team in 4A right now. Yeah, it's, it's been very impressive to watch Minico develop as a team. And, and you talked about if they can pass just enough to keep the opposing defenses honest, I really think Minico is going to be a, a tough team to stop. For Mountain Home, it's all right. It's one setback. You still have Twin Falls and Jerome still coming to your place, mm-hmm. Tigers. I, I think uh, only three teams from, from the Great Basin Conference probably get to the playoffs this year. Maybe four if, if uh, somebody – falters but i think for mountain home now the the line's a little tighter right oh it it is you know but uh i think the interesting thing uh about this conference and the way it's starting to shake up 
is where does Jerome fall into this? And that might be a segue to our next game. Um, but, you know, you're, you're looking at Minico, who is powerful, Twin, who's flexing a little bit of muscle, Jerome, who's yet to win. And those were the one, two, three teams in the, you know, kind of the preseason conference rankings. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here. But uh, let's move into Twin versus Jerome, shall we? Uh, yeah. Battle of the Bridge. And uh, this game was a lot closer than the score indicated. 28-14 was your final. Twin Falls jumped out on top 21 to nothing. It looked like they were just going to boat race Jerome. Uh, Tigers came back and uh, cut it to a one-score game, 21-14, in, late in the third. And defensively, got a stop in uh, Bruin territory. And then on the very next play, got it inside the 10, first and goal, ready to tie this thing up. But, uh-oh, there's laundry on the field at about the 30-yard line. And it brought that play back. And Jerome was about ready to tie the ball game late in the third at 21. And then who knows what would have happened at that point. It didn't. It stayed 21-14. Twin tacked on a, uh, a touchdown a little bit later, and that was your ball game. You know, so uh, standout performance, Twin Falls, Jace Malky, you know, uh, defensively and offensively. He had an interception, a forced fumble, uh, fumble recovery, all on defense, and then scored a touchdown on offense. So, Big night for him, but Twin Falls gets out of there, moves to three and one, and the yeah, Tigers on four. Yeah, Jace Malky's a big dude too, so that was impressive to see. It's it seems like Jerome has had bad habit of starting slow every game. They seem to start slow and then try and make a mad dash at the finish. How do they how do they start strong for once? Uh, you know what? That's that is kind of the million dollar question right now because that's two weeks in a row that Jerome has thrown an interception on their very first pass play. They did it against Twin. Uh, very first play of the game two weeks ago against Shelly, they threw a pass picked off. First pass play against Twin, picked off. So they've got to get some consistency going at the quarterback position. And, uh, you know, in Jerome's defense, I mean, they're working with two young quarterbacks. Their normal starter, uh, Gill, has been out, and he didn't play quarterback against Twin. They, they had to go with their backup, who was also a sophomore. But Gill came in and played running back in that second half and really ran the ball well. So I think Jerome is still trying to figure out who they are, um, but they better not waste much more time uh, because they've got some games that they need to win here pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the time running out for Jerome. Now they're almost going to have to run the table just to try and secure an at-large spot. So uh, the, the other big uh, game that I think was really an eye-opener was uh, a cross-class game, right? You had 4A Burley taking on 3A Kimberly, and the Bobcats winning, I think, pretty easily, 36-21. to 21. If you told me coming into the season between Burley and Kimberly, one team was going to be 3-1 and one, and one team was going to be 1-3, and three, I would have said Kimberly three and one, no doubt. Burley probably one and three. It's the opposite. Yeah, it is. And I would have thought the exact same thing. But what we're finding out with Kimberly is exactly what we said was going to happen with them is they got to find a way to stop the football on defense. And they're not doing it. They defensively, they have just getting beat up. They're getting run over. They're getting pushed around. And you just can't go into a game and try to outscore everybody all the time. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. You know, there is a reason why they say defense wins championships. And right now, Kimberly's got nothing that resembles a defense. Uh, and they got to get that figured out. Burley put up 36 on. And, you know, Burley's not a bad team. But uh, I don't think anybody saw them with a, you know, 15-point win uh, against Kimberly. But, you know, 
good for Burley. You know, they're they're starting to turn some heads and and uh, they're not maybe flying under the radar so much anymore in that great basin. Uh, but this week, this week will be the test. Yeah, yes, it will. We'll, we'll talk about that matchup in just a little bit as we preview what's coming up. Bur- Burley's got a nice one-two punch in the backfield, Preston Ramos and Ramsey Trevino, and, they, and then they've got a lot of young guys. they they got a lot of freshmen and sophomores that are on the varsity this year. So it's, it's been a nice surprise for Burley to see them start three and one. And now the question, I guess, becomes Gooding has looked really good, obviously. Kimberly has struggled and both Filer and Buell have looked pretty decent. I mean, Filer came out and got a nice 14 to seven win over Wood River. Filer is three and one. Is that gap between Filer and Buell and Kimberly closer than we thought? Well, you know, I think what it is, it might be closer than we think mentally, you know, because you can't tell me these kids aren't looking at scores. Coaches aren't going, holy crap. Filer is is winning some ball games. They're three and one, you know, Buell put up a pretty good showing, even though they're Oh, and three against Declan. And we'll talk about that game here in a little bit, but it's going to be the mental part of it, right? Kimberly's fine. I mean, as far as record goes and still able to win the conference. Yeah, they're fine. Cause they haven't played any of those teams yet, but they need to get this stuff figured out because Gooding will absolutely punish them the last game of the season. If it comes down to that, you know, unfortunately for Kimberly, they still have the pedigree. They still have the athletes. You know, right now they are the favorites to beat Filer. They are the favorites to beat Buell. But if they don't get whatever problems they've got on the defensive side of the football figured out, Gooding is going to take them out behind a woodshed. So they've got some time, but they've got to get it fixed. Yeah, and and so yeah, Filer with that win over Wood River, fourteen to seven. They're three and one under first year coach Justin Brandsma, and honestly, they're they're a player two away from being four and zero. Scott, they lost that season opener to North Fremont, a good two A team, by one possession, thirty four to twenty seven. So we're we're almost talking about Filer as a four and zero team. I think that has just been an incredible job by Justin Brandsma in his first year there. Well, you know, and the cool thing about this game um, was it it was a tough game. You know, and Filer's going to be in those to where they're going to have to win some ugly, low-scoring games. And, you know, there are teams out there that just don't do well in those situations. When you ugly something up, not everybody can adjust. Filer is making kind of a living doing that right now. It was all about defense. Um, they had a big first half. Uh, uh, Briteo had a pick six in that first half that kind of got him going. Uh, De Leon rushed for a touchdown, which extended the lead to 14. So they were up 14, nothing. They were in control, but they're not going to, you know, break the scoreboard, you know, and do anything like that. But uh, a cool thing is um, coach Bransma had a son born that morning, you know, and so obviously he was probably a little bit distracted, um, but uh, congratulations to uh, coach Bransma, his son born that morning of the game uh, against Wood River. Wow, that's awesome. I did not know that. That's that's incredible. Yeah, that's why you pay me the big bucks to find <laughs> out that stuff. That's right. That that crack team of interns we've got at Scott's disposal doing that research. Yeah, when they kick me out of the hospital going through all the files, then uh, yeah, that's when I'm earning my keep here. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Okay, so let's talk about the other team from uh, from the SCIC, Buell. Uh, they played Declo. Uh, Declo, of course, uh, that thrilling win over Kimberly two weeks ago this time it was only a 24 to 12 victory and, and Buell I kind of put in that same boat Alan Reynolds is back coaching the team and they, they want to keep it ugly right they want to keep it low scoring defensive grind it out yeah when, when you don't have the talent on either side of the football then you've got to find a way just to kind of 
mess things up a little bit. And Buell did that. But, you know, Declo coming off, like you just said, that big, big win against Kimberly in overtime, they had the letdown game. And this was perfect for Buell, not only to, you know, have a chance to win it, but for Buell to gain a little confidence too. I mean, Buell's a team that is trying to kind of get themselves, pick themselves up out of the ashes, and they're going to need, you know, some confidence games here and there. And I think this could be one for Buell, even though they lost 24-12, they hung in there. You know, when you look at the uh, total yards, Declo 319 total yards, Buell 296. So they were right there. The problem was um, Declo, it was their worst performance of the year. 14 penalties, 119 penalty yards. You know, I mean, these are the kind of things that are going to kill drives, and they did for Declo, which is why they, they did light up the scoreboard. But uh, Buell, you know, they had a strategy going in. They were able to kind of hold on to the football and run a lot of clock and keep it out of the hands um, of those, you know, big running backs for Buell. Derek Matthews did finish with 23 carries, 190 yards, three touchdowns, three two-point conversions. uh, Tragen Zollinger, 22 solo tackles for Declo. So, I mean, there's some standout performances that you have to mention, but uh, Declo had the letdown game. I think Buell got a little confidence hanging with him, so – Let's see where it takes them. And it's nice to see Declo have the letdown game and still find a way to grind it out and, and come mm-hmm. through with a win. So they're 4-0, looking great in the 2A ranks. The last two games we wanted to touch on were a pair of 1A games. The, the big matchup we thought in the 1A-D1 ranks, you had a pair of top five teams going at it. Butte County traveling to Raft River. The Trojans win 46-28. to That's a, that's a lot closer than uh, games that Raft River fans are used to, but a win is a win. Yeah, you know, and, and this particular game was really interesting because it's what, what you're going to find is not going to be in the scoreboard or, or, or on the scoreboard or it's going to be in the, the box score. Uh, Raft River was struggling early. I mean, you know, they had uh, key players out due to injury um, and, you know, some ejections from previous games. So, I mean, they, they, they kind of started um, a little bit weak in the troops. You know, and they pulled it together. And Butte County is is a good football team, very, very physical. Um, but in that first quarter, you know, Raft River players were dropping like flies. I mean, they were injuries. There were cramps. There were equipment malfunctions. Anything you could think of to take a player out of the game for Raft River was starting to happen in that first quarter. So, I mean, it was like the entire sideline was on fire, you know, trying to like, how do we get out of this quarter? How do we get the players on the field? I mean, it was I mean, it was chaos. And uh, somehow they made it through that first quarter. I mean, they had to burn a timeout so they could, you know, fix a a helmet just to get a kid back into the game. I mean, that was the kind of mess that was going on in Raft River in that first quarter. But uh, uh, they they got it together, um, you know, and uh, Seth Tracy is a guy that you want to point out for Raft River. I mean, he was off the field, maybe four plays and that's it. I mean, he's one of those kids that just doesn't come off the field. Um, he had 145 yards receiving, a uh, couple of touchdowns, a two-point conversion. He had an interception, six tackles. I mean, that kid was all over the place. Uh, Whitaker, you know, 43 yards rushing with the uh, 53 yards receiving, a touchdown, four tackles, a tackle for loss. I mean, so they got the performances, but the whole thing just started out on fire, and they settled down and then got the 46-28 win to remain undefeated. And, and again, I think that just further solidifies in my mind that Raft River is the team to beat in 1AD1, even though Oakley is also undefeated, even though Oakley's the defending champs. In my mind, my personal opinion, I still think Raft River is the best team that I have seen so far. So, well, they're going to get uh, they're going to get tested against Lighthouse. Yes, 
Yes, they sure. are. And then Lighthouse came up just short against North Gem in, in a back and forth battle, a D1 versus D2 matchup. Um, they lost 44 to 36, kind of, kind of contrasting styles in that game where uh, North Gem, we know, is going to line up and run the football, and Lighthouse Christian is going to sling it around. Clay Silva was at quarterback in this game. He, he had been a wide receiver in the past and uh, played pretty well. Yeah, you know, Lighthouse is going to take a little while to get themselves figured out after everything they lost last year. You know, they lost their video game quarterback. So, I mean, it's going to be who's going to who's going to light it up for them this year. And so it's going to take them a bit. But, you know, they put 36 on the board uh, in a game that they never led. They were always either playing from behind or tied, but uh, they'll get there. That's still a pretty good football team at Lighthouse. Yeah, if you, if you look at their record, you see 0 and 3. That doesn't tell you the difficult mm-hmm. schedule that they've played so far. I mean, three games against Kendrick, Butte County, North Gem. All three of those teams will be in the playoffs this year. So, mm-hmm. yeah, tough tough start for for Lighthouse Christian. Okay, let's let's turn the page. Let, let's look at what's coming up this week. Some of the big games that we have highlighted. I think the biggest game we talked about is going to be in the Great Basin Conference, and that is going to be Burley hosting Minico. Minico 4-0. Burley is 3-1. That's a game that we will have for you right here on IdahoSports.com. I'm going to be at that game, Scott. Oh, fantastic. You got the uh, play-by-play, do you? Yes. Fantastic. Then I will just text you from behind the scenes and see if I can rattle your concentration. (laughs) Give me a couple (laughs) of words to throw into the broadcast. Okay, that sounds Um, good. It's been a while. It's been a while since these two teams have tangled on the gridiron with some winning records. I mean, it really has been some time. And so this has got a little different feel to it. Uh, you know, anytime Minico and Burley get together, one team could be 5-0, and the other could be 0-5. It's still going to be one of those games to where the stands are overflowing. There's going to be absolute pandemonium in the pregame tailgates and all this kind of stuff. The game is going to go nuts. I mean, it doesn't matter. But now you've got a different element to it. This game actually – who knows what's going to happen? Minico's going to get tested. Burley's going to get tested. And they're both pretty dang good football teams. So you have a good one to call. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, Minico comes in with a 1-0 conference record. Burley is 1-1. One one. I'll tell you, if Burley, if Burley notches the win here, that's going to throw the standings into oh. chaos. <laughs> oh, you, you definitely will. Uh, it definitely will. You know, and Minico can really start to separate themselves a little bit. You know, um, they are they are the best team in the conference right now. But the question mark is really how good is Burley? I mean, when you look at who Burley has played, I, I don't think up until this week, you really gave them a whole lot of credit on who they'd be, you know, but they took down Kimberly. Well, and now people are starting to think, well, how good's Kimberly now? I mean, so it's, it's always going to be, you know, this, this connect the dots of who's good, who's not. And I still don't think we know where Burley's at, but we will find out this week. I'm curious if they didn't have to play Mountain Home right out of the gate, if they if they were able to play that later in the year more traditionally. I wonder if Burley would have won that game, right? It was a one-possession game, first game of the season, conference game. We could mm-hmm. be talking about Burley being undefeated in, in league play as well. So, Yeah, no kidding. Boy, wouldn't that be something, too? Yeah. Burley and Minico going into this game undefeated? Wow. Yeah. That's why it's tough to have those conference games right out of the gate for sure. Uh, The other conference uh, game is going to be Jerome at Canyon Ridge, a pair of 0-4 teams, a great opportunity for – well, somebody's going to get off the schneid, right, Scott? (laughs) Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, something's got to give in this game. I mean, you know, both of these teams are just dying for a win right now. They just have got to get something because, 
you know, you can lose a few games here and there, but when you start the season 0-5, you, you might have some kids jumping ship, and that is the last thing that you want. And, uh, you know, for Jerome, they're coming off of an undefeated conference season last year where they made the playoffs, they were conference champions, but then they just pretty much opened the cover and let everybody run. And so they have a lot of rebuilding to do. And, and Canyon Ridge is in that same situation where they're trying to, to rebrand a program, you know, with a new coach and new system, new philosophies, and, and they're off to a really rocky start too. So I don't know. I, it, it, somebody, something's got to give here. Yes, for sure. Twin Falls has a non-conference game. They'll travel to Century to play the Diamondbacks. Century's one and three. They are kind of like a Canyon Ridge. They are very low in numbers. New coach trying to rebrand the program. Twin Falls should have no problems in that matchup. And then finally, well, let, me, let me let me jump in there really quick. Okay, sure. um, that Century game. It, one kind of interesting side note to that whole thing is that the, the head coach of Century was Jerome's defensive coordinator last year. And so if there's a guy that has game planned for the Twin Falls offense against Coach Coring, it's Coach Horrocks at Century. You know, so he knows exactly what they're running because he game planned for it last year and was able to beat them. So, you know, you need to, you need to have dudes, you know, to be able to do it for sure. But that might be a little interesting side note to see, you know, what their game plan is against uh, against Twin. But, you know, for the for the Bruins – it's not a conference game. So, I mean, they're going to go up there and get tested and, and uh, just kind of see what they're made of a little bit more. And, but uh, I, I still think that's going to be an interesting game. Yeah. That game is going to be outside at century high school. I, I bet twin falls is, was hoping that it was going to be in Holt arena to maybe give them a taste of what maybe a playoff game could look like in there, but it's going to be outdoors. So they will have a traditional game at century. Uh, the other big game is going to be mountain home at Kimberly. And that's also a game we'll bring to you live video coverage of on idahosports.com. The, the Christensen boys, Mike and Carter will be on the call for that. And these are two teams that are licking their wounds a little bit, right? Mountain home and Kimberly. Somebody's going to bounce back after a, a prolonged losing streak here. Yeah. You know, and, and you look at the mindset of both of these teams, I mean, mountain home who, you know, I'm not sure what their expectations were coming into the season, but you know, they, they got a little confidence early and uh, you know, then they got punched in the mouth. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they respond in, you know, a, a season or a program that really doesn't have like tremendous success over the years, you know, how are they going to respond to one setback in the season? But Kimberly, Kimberly's just got to be sitting back there scratching their head going, what in the world is going on here? I mean, we were supposed to be one of the top three A teams in the state. and We can't even beat some really marginal teams here in the Magic Valley. And so they are just got to be scratching their head right now trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, and it's a non-conference, but boy, if there's a must win for Kimberly right now, this has got to be it. Yeah. I, I think it's a must win for both teams to try and right the ship yeah. before we get into the second half of the season for sure. So that'll be interesting. You also have Buell at Wood River, kind of the same thing, right? Buell could get the first win of the year. Wood River uh, had, I mean, they've been in every game, but they just can't seem to get the player two they need to win. So Wood River may be a chance to straighten things out too. Yeah, that'll be interesting too, because Wood River, they can't score points. I mean, they're going to have to just play ugly defense and ugly the game up a little bit. And that's how they're going to win ball games. If you get it, if you jump on Wood River, I just don't think they have the capability to score uh, in bunches and definitely not play from behind as a team like Wood River for the most part. Buell, hey, they're coming off a game where they got a little confidence, you know, 
um, played a real tough Declo team, but but they've also shown that you know they can score a little bit and they can you know accumulate yards uh, and offensively. So uh, this this is I think a, a really good opportunity for Buell to get their win and kind of jumpstart their program under Coach Reynolds. Absolutely. Filer is going to be at Wendell. Uh, Filer, a real good chance to go four and one, which would be incredible at the midway point of the season for, for the Wildcats. And then the, the big matchup, I think. Maybe well, let, me, the- let me jump in really quick. A little side note. Um, you, you talk about Filer going to Wendell. You know, well, this is where, you know, Bransma gets to go back to his hometown. Right. Um, you know, so it's a hometown boy coming back to play or to coach against uh, the Wendell Trojans. Uh, and he, he he hasn't been on that field since he graduated in 2009, you know, so there's a homecoming of sorts uh, in that, in that game. So kind of interesting. Yeah. And, and like we've talked about with Wendell, John Helmendaler, I think has done a really good job bringing, mm-hmm. bringing a program, pulling it up by its bootstraps and, and making them competitive and not, not an easy out like they've been maybe the last couple of seasons as well. For sure. So. For sure. All right. The final, the, 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 the final SCIC game and probably the one everybody's going to be looking at, Gooding three and oh at Declo four and oh Declo is thinking, man, do we ever get a break? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess if you're Declo, you're like, you know, if we're going to be the best, we better start beating the best. And this matchup is strength on strength. I mean, it's going to be a physical, physical ball game. And this is a game that I would love to see. Uh, I mean, it is just going to be a bunch of dudes just running into each other. And uh, who can push each other around the longest is going to win this ball game. You know, Gooding obviously has got the size up front to negate the running game of Declo. Uh, Declo has the exact same thing. So, you know, forget three A's, two A's, forget all that stuff. These are really two good football teams, and this is going to be a physical game. Uh, how cool would it be if uh, both these teams uh, got to their respective champ, won their respective championships, and then said, "Yeah, we got to play each other in the middle of the season, and it was an awesome game for sure." So, uh, oh no, no kidding, no kidding. But you know, this is a game too that you know when you look at when you look at when you look at uh, what these two teams are going to need moving forward, they are going to need teams like this because when they get into the playoffs, you know they are going to run into these physical style of offenses. And they can draw back from this experience. And and I think this game is going to mean something down the road for both of these teams. For sure. And then in the 1As, real quick, we'll just run through. Uh, we've got you, – you talked about the big matchup, Raft River at Lighthouse Christian. That'll be a good conference game and a good test for the Trojans right out of the gates. Uh, Oakley is hosting Murtaugh. Murtaugh suffered their first loss of the season a week ago. And we talked about, you know, finding out how good they really were. And then uh, you also have uh, the final one is Castleford at Hanson and then Glens Ferry at Dietrich. All of those games should be pretty good. Yeah. You know, and Castleford is another one of those teams that we're talking about. You know, they, they beat Dietrich. Uh, they, they're beating teams. They're scoring in the fifties constantly, um, you know, and talking to their coaching staff this past week on just trying to get the feel for Castleford. I, I think they're starting to realize they're pretty dang good. You know, and they've got to get the focus right now because they can run around for a couple of games, patting themselves on the back and say, oh, hey, we may have something good here. I think the realization for Castleford's there now. This is a good team. And so now with that comes some responsibility. And that responsibility is to keep your head if you are Castleford. And so what they've done is they've stopped talking 
a lot about the stats. They've stopped talking about who scores touchdowns. And you can see that being done at Castleford because they're trying to draw it in uh, inward a little bit more. And so the thing that they wanted to talk about was their offensive line. That's where they wanted the props to go. You know, and so Gus Wiggins, Evan Fontes, uh, Keach, I mean, those guys up front, they're getting it done. Castleford knows they're good now. And now you get a good team with a little bit of a swagger. This is going to be interesting for Castleford. I love it. I love the mantra there. Of, uh, let's let's focus on the team rather than the individuals. I think that's awesome. So, and they're one of the best stories of the year so far, Castle Ford for sure. So, that's the football slate that's coming up this weekend. Real quick, let's touch on volleyball as well. The new volleyball coaches polls came out today, and in the four A ranks, especially three of the five teams that are ranked come from the Great Basin Conference. Wood River is the new number one team in the coaches poll. Twin Falls is third. Canyon Ridge is fifth. All three of those teams went to Idaho Falls last weekend to compete in the Bonneville Classic, and they're taking on 5A teams and Sugar Salem, which can beat almost anybody. And it was really good competition for, for all three of those schools. Yeah, there's some good volleyball going on in the Great Basin right now. And those three teams are, you know, the cream of the crop. And uh, you want to talk about Wood River, man, that is a team that has, has really embraced the team concept. You know, they, this is a group of girls that have been playing together since uh, the fifth grade. So, I mean, they're familiar with each other. Um, they enjoy each other's company. I mean, obviously they're playing, you know, some club and some stuff like that, but they haven't let the club and everything detract from their school team. And that's what you're seeing a lot in a lot of these club situations, whether it's basketball, you know, uh, volleyball, whatever, don't even get me started on that. But Wood River's not letting that happen. Um, and kind of a little fun fact uh, with this Wood River volleyball team, you know, over the course of the summer as a team, they read the book uh, called The Wolf Pack, you know, by Abby Wambach. And it was uh, a rallying point for them. And so they're they're trying to embrace that Wolf Pack Wolfpack mentality because this is not a very big team. Um, I mean, they can hit the ball, but they just don't have that one player, that maybe that one outside, that one middle that can just take over and dominate a game. So they just do it together. And you watch this Wood River team play. That is exactly what they do. They just don't make mistakes. You know, they 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 don't give you a lot of free balls. They they learn to attack. They're starting to attack more from the back row. Uh, their serve receive game is fantastic. You know, they just don't make a lot of errors. And so you watch them and you're thinking Wolfpack mentality. You can actually see that on the floor with Wood River. It's, it's, it's pretty cool because they're not going to just show up and dominate you with their athletes. They're going to dominate you as a pack. That's awesome that they've been able to play together as a group since the fifth grade, because I know in the Sun Valley uh, with Wood River and, and Sun Valley community school, sometimes players are moving in players are moving out there. There's a lot of uh, moving parts sometimes with athletes. So that's awesome that they've been able to stay together this whole time. Mm -hmm. And one last thing we should mention is uh, a little bit of soccer with Wood River in the community school. Yeah. You know uh, that community school going into that game with Wood River eight. No, well, they're eight and one now, but you know, you, you look at it and, and uh, it's, it's just one of those games that, uh, um, these two teams play. It's a community builder. It, it's funny because you, you you look at that game and you put it up in, in Haley and Ketchum. It's a community builder. You put that down here in the Magic Valley. I mean, it is rivalry and it is cutthroat and it is you're going down and we're painting each other's rocks. And up there, I mean, they're probably having all sorts of craft fairs and all sorts of stuff going on, but it's a different atmosphere. And, and it's, it's kind of nice for them up there. And it's, and it's, it's a nice change of pace. Um, the thing with the community school, 
hey, they're still the favorites to win 3A, you know, and, and keep in mind, they're playing 3A competition, right, when it gets to the state tournament. Um, but uh, when it came to, you know, battling Wood River, they just didn't have the speed um, to, to stay with Wood River, you know, on the pitch on that one. So um, for the past eight plus years, it's been Wood River and, and it should be. You know, they're they're the bigger, faster, stronger school. But, uh, you know, talking to the Wood River coaching staff, they've got nothing but good things to say uh, about the community school. And they say, man, these guys are probably going to win it again. They're that good. Yeah, 2 nothing win for Wood River last Saturday over uh, the community school in Sun Valley. Uh, Gary Hayes and Satya Redmond scored for Wood River in that victory. And and right now in the boys' soccer coaches' poll, you know, Wood River's up there. And Jerome, the Jerome boys are looking really strong too, so – yeah. Yeah. There's some good, I mean, you look at to the great basin. I mean, you've got Minico number two in football, you know, you've got three volleyball teams in the top five, you've got soccer ranked number two, you got Wood River in there as well. I mean, the magic Valley's got it going on right now in, in a lot of these uh, media polls and coaches polls. It's kind of fun to see. Yeah. A lot of good talent in the magic Valley. And we'll, we'll be back again next week to talk about the big games, the big stories, uh, Scott, great job on the research this week, peeling back the curtain a little bit, get some of, getting some of those personal touches in there with the stories. I love it. It's great. You betcha. That's uh that's the fun part about it right there. Now you can watch the game through a completely different lens, knowing that, uh, there's a couple of stories going on as well. Absolutely. So, uh, thanks for tuning into this week's edition of the magic Valley prep cast. We'll see you next week right here on idahosports.com.